0: Happy Independence Day I thought we might have seen some more aqua, marine, yellow and black I forgot, I came late, I couldn't get mine, so But Happy Independence Day, may you, may we live to enjoy many more But let me ask you a question By the way, how many of you listen to Echoes of Calvary? One, two, three, four, five isn't that amazing? Echoes of Calvary been going on from, how long, Sister Beach? Echoes of Calvary. And there's only a few Calvaryites who listen to it. We have more non-Calvaryites who listen to Echoes of Calvary. That's also true of uh, ECB. Yeah, I wonder why that is. Anyway, those of you who listened to ECB, this, not ECB, Echoes of Calvary this morning, we're going to have a little repeat of the message. All right? Uh, I want to expand on a little bit of the points. So uh, don't walk out if you say, oh, I'll preaching the same thing again. All right? But let me ask you a question Why is it that we as human beings seem to be inherently bent? toward being independent well that's what it means right but all of us have that bent within us i believe that if we look at the definition of independent or independence it'll give us some idea as to why we have this in inner drive inherent desire to be independent this is what Webster says. Independent, the meaning, relying only on oneself or one's own abilities, judgment, etc. Self confident, self reliant, free from the influence, control, or determination of another or others, free from the rule of another controlling or governing oneself self-governing that's some of the definitions for independent from Webster's dictionary now if you look at it very carefully you'll see that freedom is the underlying motivation for independence in fact for many independence is freedom How many times you hear a young person, I'll mention this shortly, they become 18 or whatever and they go to school, boy, free at last! (laughs) Free! When you look at it overall, by the way, I was reading one of the blogs that some Bahamians put out on Bahamian life. And it had to do with a news reporter who went down Bay Street asking individuals what does independence mean to you and he said he was so surprised at the ignorance of bohemian most of them saying independence means that we were free from slavery a lot of them tie independence in with emancipation And so he's just amazed at that. So he came to the conclusion that either those people are just silly, or our schools are doing a poor job of teaching our children. Don't look at me like that, that's what they said. (laughs) But that's what, you know, they tie it in with emancipation, freedom from slavery. Because you see, independence has that inner meaning of freedom. Countries want to be independent, I believe it is safe to say that more nations have become independent in this century the 20th and 21st century than in any other centuries in the history of the world, just look at Africa, Europe, the Bahamas, we are 37 years old today as an independent nation, we are free from the 300 year rule and control of the government of England of course unless you go to the courts still see people wearing wigs long robes still every year you have people on the Queen's honor list vying for it. It's amazing how we want to be free but not totally free (laughs) we have political freedom and so, unlike our 237-year-old independent to the North, we have always enjoyed religious freedom here. The motivation for them to be independent was religious freedom. We always enjoyed, as far as I know, we've always enjoyed religious freedom in the Bahamas. And for that, we should be thankful. For the most part, I believe it is true to say that we have always enjoyed this freedom, but that doesn't mean that we always will. Again, America is an illustration of this. A man, one that is outstanding here, was just put in court recently for reading the scriptures in the public in the United States of America. And it's happening more and more. So don't think just because we have that freedom now, we will always have that freedom. It's what we do with this generation of young people. We've always enjoyed religious freedom. But I doubt that we fit into the other aspect of independence, where we can say we rely only on ourselves and on only on our abilities. We can't say that. We cannot say, as the definition says, to be completely self-reliant. In fact, I doubt if there's any nation anywhere in the world can say that they can be absolutely self-reliant. Independence is something that we have to look at very carefully when it comes to our own relationship to God and to one another and how we regard others our own nation for instance is dependent upon tourism as the basic means of our economic existence we are not self-reliant the United States is not self-reliant without China And by the way, the Bahamas might soon be in that position. We can take over eating. <laughs> <laughs> Nations want to become independent. Institution want to become independent including churches calvary bible church is an independent bible church now i believe that this is a good kind of independence and even a biblical one however again it has only to do with self-governing self-determining and self-supporting it has nothing to do with exclusivism and the kind of in independence that cut us off from cooperating, fellowshipping, and uniting with other local churches who hold to the basic tenets of the historic Christian faith. It doesn't mean that because we're independent, we have nothing to do with anyone else, and that we can carry on ourselves without that input. No, no, it doesn't mean that. The Bible knows nothing of such independence. The Bible teaches interdependence among the churches of God throughout the world. Again, much spiritual problems arise in a church and things otherwise. That I I don't need you all of them. We have little churches like that. In fact, one of the main boasts is that we is we. and We want nothing to do with you. Independent doesn't mean cutting yourself off from everyone else when it comes to church as an institution, but individuals also want to become independent, children want to become independent of their parents, and they should at the right time, the problem is that many children want to become independent to do their own thing when they are incapable of supporting their own thing. Or bearing the consequences of doing their own thing. They want to come and to go and do as they please and do whatever they wish and do with whatever they want, with whomever they want, at any time they want. The only thing is, they want their parents to pay the bills for doing it feeding them, clothing them, educating them, bailing them out of jail when they get into trouble, when they smash up the car. They want their parents, but they want to be independent. You see, I call those kind of young people dependent-independents. <laughs> Perhaps a better name is juvenile delinquent. <laughs> you see, actually, parents should be rearing their children to be independent. We should be preparing our children to leave us, not to stay with us. You see, sometimes we hold on to our children when they should be doing their own thing. I know of parents who when their children became 18 years of age they begin to charge them room and board if they're still in the house they cut off all financial aid to them that's true I know these people they would not co-sign a note to get a car or to pay for further education you say that's going to extremes but actually independence also means accountability and responsibility. I think they're doing the right thing. But I want to propose to you this morning that although independence may be good for a country in its relationship with another country or with regard to an institution with other institutions and even with individuals with other individuals I want to propose to you today That independence is never good for a person with regards to his or her relationship to God Independence Is never good for a person with regards to his or her relationship to God We should never be free from the control of God in our lives This I believe is in fact according to scriptures The basic cause for both the personal, domestic, social, religious, and economic ills of mankind. Seeking to do their own thing independent of God. They're seeking to live life independent of God. I say this is never the kind of independence we should seek. So here's my proposition for you to consider on this Independence Day. Man's spiritual lostness is essentially the result of his chosen independency of God. Notice his chosen independency of God. Living as though there is no God, even though they say there is. That's what we call Christian atheism. God exists but he has no influence or impact in my daily life. Christian atheism. We could state it this way. Man is not really free or independent until he ratifies his declaration of dependency upon God through Jesus Christ. See the paradox here. You're not free until you're a slave of Christ. Listen. To Jesus in John chapter 6, verse 31. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciple if you remain faithful to my teachings. Do you get this? He's talking to those who say they believe in him. You are truly my disciples. What he's saying is, You are only genuine as being my follower if you. Remain faithful to my sayings, to my commandments. I want you to listen to this carefully. Jesus is stating the the essence of being a believer in Christ. A believer in Christ is one who remains faithful to his teaching. That's a follower of Christ. That's a disciple of Jesus Christ. You cannot be a follower of Christ. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ and do not follow what he says. This is not a condition for discipleship. This is the essence of being a Christian. A true believer disciple is one who continues to obey the word of God. You see in the context here, Jesus' teaching attracted many people to him. His teaching was unique. His teaching was different from what they were getting. Many of them liked what Jesus said, especially about the common kingdom. They liked what he said. But John is showing that it was possible to believe in the message of repentance and the kingdom without truly being born again. You could believe the message he was teaching about the kingdom, of, but you still still, could not be a person who was born again. Jesus made a hard saying one time in John 6. About eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And people really misunderstood it. It was a hard saying. And this is what it says in John 6.61 and following. And this is an important passage of scripture. Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the son of man ascend to heaven again? The spirit alone gives eternal life, human effort accomplishing nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. You see, that's why obeying him is an indication that we have eternal life. Because his words are life. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. Now he's talking to people who made a profession. He knew who were lying. Then he said, this is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of the disciples turned away and deserted him. Do you notice that? Many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. They were not true disciples, professing but not possessing. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? Notice these words. You have the words that gives eternal life. No one else. That's why the scripture says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father by me. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Why? Because this message, they are truly taken into your life, gives life. A true believer disciple is one who continues to obey the word of God. But now notice the result of this, he says in verse 32. And you will know the truth and the true will set you free. The true will make you independent. But of what? The truth will set you free. We like to quote that. But set you free from what? It's amazing how we misinterpret scripture sometimes and put in what we want to make us feel good. The truth here is truth concerning the person and work of Christ. In fact, one could really say the truth is Christ. The knowing here is a personal knowledge that is appropriated to one's life by faith. In the one who says, I am the truth. So knowing is a personal intimate relationship. It's not only intellectual. Now notice the result of the appropriation of this faith. Notice the result. The truth shall set you free. The truth shall set you free. Now what kind of freedom is Jesus talking about? Listen to what some of the, profe- some of the professing believers thought in this passage, verse 33. They said, "We are descendants of Abraham." They said, "We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? You see the ignorance? You see the blindness? these people looked at Jesus Christ, these were leaders, and they said, we have never been enslaved to anyone. Now, how can anybody who knows the history of Israel say that these people know what they're talking about? Now, they were thinking about political freedom. Jesus was talking about the most important freedom of all, spiritual freedom from sin. And so what he's saying, if you really grasped my message, you would find salvation truth. Knowing and appropriating this salvation truth would liberate you from your spiritual bondage. But they weren't thinking about that. They were only thinking about political freedom. The same way many Bahamians think today. Very few Bahamians think spiritually. Politically? Yes. Spiritually? No. You see, their blindness to their spiritual state clouded the true state of their political dilemma. In other words, they were in a political dilemma, but their spiritual blindness caused them not to see it. They forgot about the slavery in Egypt. They forgot about their subjection to other nations during the time of the judges, again and again and again. They forgot about their exile in Babylon. They forgot even about their current subjugation to Rome. In spite of all of this, they said, we were never in bondage to any man. Spiritual blindness causes them to misrepresent political reality. They had no sense of their bondage to sin. They actually believed that their physical and ancestral relationship to Abraham exempted them from spiritual danger. Let's bring it to our time. 37th anniversary of our independence. They believed that because they were citizens of a Christian nation, they were okay. You walk down Bay Street. You find that 90% of the people you ask is the Bahamas, a Christian nation, will tell you, yeah. Are you a Christian? Yeah. Why? Because I live here. That's the position of these people. Jesus answered them, verse 34 Verily, verily, I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The sun has a place there forever. Now, notice. So, if the sun makes you free, you'll be free indeed. You'll be really free. But the sun has to be the one who gives you that freedom. Now, he says it twice. Verily, verily, in the King James, this gives the idea that this is a profound statement. This is a vital truth that is about to be made. What is this truth? Anyone. Jesus says Who continually commits sin Is a slave to sin And he's talking to people Who said they believed in him You say you're free Are you still committing sin? You're not Why? Sin is your master And sin is personified in this passage As a hard task master Now, the emphasis here is upon the phrase continually commit. In other words, it's in the present tense. It's a way of life. It's not just an occasional experience. But Jesus is saying, is it the person, even if you say you believe in me, if you are always committing sin, then sin is your master and not me. You're not free at all. You say you have political freedom? But if you don't have spiritual freedom you're still a slave. You are enslaved to doing what your master sin wants you to do, no matter what you think your political status may be, independent. But if you're still without Christ, you're still enslaved to a hard task master, sin. That's Jesus' point. That's why he says, if the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. That's a glorious statement. It's not if England makes us free that gives real freedom. It's if Christ makes us free. Now, in verse 35, Jesus alludes to Ishmael, the son, the slave son of Abram. Remember, he was cast out of Abram's house because he was not a true son, in keeping with the Jewish way of reckoning who was a son. And so, Jesus is saying here. So are those who are sinners in danger of being cast out of the kingdom if they remain in their sin. Isaac was the son who belonged and therefore remained in the house. Jesus' question to these professing disciples is, are you like Ishmael or are you like Isaac? That's what they're asking. You talk about your lineage, your heritage. What son? One is a slave, the other is free. So it's not just your inheritance alone. That is the issue here. But who is the true son? You see, the issue is not physical genealogy, but spiritual kinship. Jesus is the true son and the true seed of Abraham and of God's household or God's kingdom. It's very important to note that the son of a family in this time, and also this time, I guess today, has permanent status within that family. If you're a son, you're always a son. Jesus extended this analogy by stating that while a son is rightfully a partaker of family privileges, the son can confer or give them privileges. In other words, an outside son might benefit from some of the privileges of the family, but he's not in a position to give any privileges to that family. Only the true son can. That's the point that's being made. In other words, the hope for real freedom does not lie in the ancestry of Abraham, Jesus is saying, but rather it lies in the person and action of Jesus Christ, the true son of God's household. So let me ask you, as we celebrate our 37th year as an independent nation, are we being reminded of the fact that the real freedom we are looking for cannot be found in the Bahamas or in America being an independent state or any other country in the world? Political freedom is not the ultimate freedom political freedom i say is not the ultimate freedom true lasting ultimate freedom can only be found in jesus christ he won the battle for man's independence and freedom from sin over 2010 years ago on a rugged hill outside the small town called jerusalem he began his declaration of freedom from sin on the part of mankind with these words it is finished that was the declaration of Jesus Christ for the freedom of man from sin it is finished and he died in their place for the penalty of our sin he made it possible for us to be free indeed Free indeed! Great God Almighty. Free indeed. It started when Jesus said, "It is finished." But now, what does this kind of freedom mean? First, this kind of freedom means forgiveness from the penalty of sin. Paul states this clearly in Acts 13:38, he says, "I want you to know that through Jesus the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. There's no one else, no one else in whose names the forgiveness of sin is proclaimed. No one. No leader of no world denomination or whatever it is. No state, no, nothing. No country, nothing. The only person, the only person in whose name forgiveness is proclaimed is the person and the name of Jesus Christ. This is one kind of freedom we need to have at all cost. And when we have it, we need to celebrate it. But secondly, this kind of freedom also means, and this is very important for us to understand, release from the conscience of sin. Release from the conscience of sin, from the guilt of sin. The author of the book of Hebrews makes this quite clear in chapter 10. Tremendous chapter. Where he states that it is the blood of Christ. Unlike the blood of animal sacrifices. is the blood of Christ that cleanses our conscience from the guilt of sin. He says that in Christ we are released. We are freed. We are made independent of a guilty conscience. We are not dependent upon a guilty conscience. We are freed from it. We are released from the conscience of sin. The third, this kind of freedom also means being energized to be victorious over sin. Paul states this triumphantly in Galatians 5 verse 1. where He makes this glorious statement, Quote, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I love that. It is for freedom That Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Christ has made us free. And he's given us a freedom. A freedom from sin. The penalty of sin. A freedom from the conscience of sin. We can enjoy victory over sin. Because Jesus declared our independency of that. When he said, it is finished. And once we pledge our allegiance to him, we enter into that victory. But fourthly, this kind of freedom also shows us of being eventually evicted from the very presence of sin. Listen to these glorious words by the Apostle Paul in Colossians 3. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated in the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died. And your life, notice this, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. This gives us hope of being taken away from the very presence of sin. Freedom! real freedom that's why we can truly say if we really placed our faith in christ that we're free free at last great god almighty free at last i love that do you are you rejoicing in the freedom we have in christ true freedom spiritual freedom do you have it on this Independence Day. Remember, when it comes to spiritual freedom, you are or will not be really free or independent of your sin until you ratify your declaration of dependency upon God through Jesus Christ. How do you ratify that? By acknowledging that you are a sinner, that you can do nothing to help yourself, that Jesus came as God's gift for us. And on the cross, He took the penalty for your sin and my sin. And God raised Him from the dead to validate the point that he had accepted Christ's death on your behalf and now if you just say yes I believe that I know that I'm a sinner Jesus died for me and was raised again for my justification and now I am trusting him and him alone if you pledge allegiance to him like that if you ratify your decision of faith in Christ you can be free free indeed you can be free today this Independence Day can really be a time of freedom for you if you accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior will you declare that independence today and if you've already done it even as you go around waving flags and I'm not, that's good to do but remember you should also be waving the flag of a Christ-like life demonstrating the fact that you'll be made free from your sin because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross please pray with me take a few moments of quiet reflection if God has spoken to you in any way concerning the message or from his word especially today and you know that it's time for you to make a decision for Christ to ratify your declaration of dependency upon Christ so you could be free from the penalty of sin the power of sin the conscience of sin Looking forward to that day when you will be freed from the very presence of sin. If you want to do that today, do it right now where you are. Just say to him, God, I know I'm a sinner. Thank you for sending Jesus to take my place and raising him from the dead to show that you accepted his death for me. I trust him today and him alone. I want to be free. The penalty and the conscience is my sin. Do that right now where you are have you already accepted Christ perhaps you need to make a new declaration today that you will celebrate that fact by letting people know not only by your lips but by the way you live that you are truly a disciple a follower of Jesus Christ because you are obeying his words thank you for your word Father thank you for your Holy Spirit we pray now that the seed that is being planted may be fruitful for your glory. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.